Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Pastor Greg, Craig says this. He says that our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thought. What you think is where you will go to. That's what I said as well to last week. But in spite of Romans 23 verse 7, it says that for as he thinks, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. For so a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Where you find yourself today is a direct result of the thinking that you've had in the past. Where you find yourself today is a direct consequence and a result of the thinking that you've had in your past. Where you will be tomorrow and who you will become is because of what you think about today. Think about that for a moment. The things that you think about today, the things you think about yourself today, about your colleagues, about your family members, your spouse, your children, is, will be the direction your life will go into. Taking a review from last week, Pastor Justin shared on part one, winning the war in your mind. There's four principles that we're going to be covering in this series, a four-part series. Pastor Christelle, my beautiful wife, isn't she just beautiful? Just give her a round of applause for her beauty. <laughs> Pretty good in the limelight. Sorry, I'm just embarrassing her a little bit. But uh, yeah, so she's going to be preaching next week, Sunday, and then we're going to have Shetla as well too. They'll be doing part four. So Justin spoke about the replacement principle. Right, so last week he spoke about the, replace, uh, the replacement principle. What he shared was, he said that there was a, a thought audit. He gave us a thought audit. He gave us a scale of one to ten of like your thinking, all right? How you think about things. Are you more critically minded or are you more positive minded? And like on the scale, to, you know, do you think positive about yourself? You know, all those things and like where you are on your scale. He also spoke about identifying the lies that you believe and also then declaring truth over those lies. This morning, I'm going to be talking on, on principle number two, rewiring principle, rewiring the crossed wires in your mind, how to recognize ruts, how to dig new trenches of truth, and learning to ruminate or meditate on God's word. The main takeaways, guys, that you're going to be getting today is this. So today, I'm going to show you how crossed your wires are and also, I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable and show you mine as well. I'm going to show you why they are crossed. And most importantly, I'm going to give you two tools today for you to walk away with to try and help to rectify your thinking and the crossed wires that you have in your mind. Let's take a moment to pray before we get into God's Word. Father, I want to thank you for this morning. Thank you for your, your supernatural power, Father, that we can experience on a daily basis, and I mean daily, Lord, as we dig into your word, as we seek your face, as we seek your countenance, Lord. I pray, Father, that you will just come and do an incredible work in our lives. Renew our minds, renew our thinking this morning. I pray, Father, that we will get a, ref, a fresh revelation of who you are and what you are doing in our lives. I pray all of this right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but I've been doing some really dumb, irrational thinking the last while. 
some really, really silly things. Has anyone you know, done some irrational thinking, made any irrational decisions in their life? Yeah, those who are not putting up your hands, you are lying. Stick up. Everyone raise your hands. Thank you. There we go. All right. Okay, so I want to tell you about one that, that happened quite recently. I'm going to... Anyone want to hear something that embarrasses... That embarrassed me. Anyone want to hear that? Yes, I know all the hands want to see it there. There we go. John and Kitty, you do. All right, great. And this, this is like fresh off the printing press. It's fresh as seven days ago. All right, so Christelle and myself, we're on our way back home. I was so upset with her. I raised my voice, and I was just so upset with her that the kids' meeting that she had at the end of church took a half an hour longer, much, much longer than I thought. And I was so angry. I was like, Christelle, why did you make me wait? You know, I, and, and she said, no, but I told you I was going to have a meeting. And I said, no, you didn't. And she said to me, but I told you it's going to be an hour longer after church. And I said, no, you didn't. Anyone got children? Does that sound familiar? Yeah? I just, my brain completely misfired. Completely misfired. misfired. I went into like this self-destruction mode. A really stupid moment. A really stupid moment. Anyone associate with that? Yeah. I ended up uh, apologizing profusely to my wife for my, my idiotic behavior last Sunday. Maybe it's, you're, like, you're like me where you try to be nice to your spouse or your, or your friend and you just ended up like having this massive blowout fight or conversation at the end. You might be saving money for that that holiday at the end of the year and then you find yourself halfway through your savings plan just spending it on ridiculous things and you look at the end of the month like why did I buy that you might be at a place where you're trusting God for a breakthrough in your life trusting but you keep on worrying there's there's endless nights that you don't get a full night's sleep you keep on worrying 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 you trust God but you just keep on worrying it makes me wonder why why is it that we, we want one thing, but we decide to do something completely different? Have you guys thought about it? We want one thing, but we end up doing something or deciding to do something completely different. Why do we behave so irrationally? Why is that? Well, the answer to that question is that our wires are crossed in our minds. You might think, ooh, hang on a second, what, what is that about? And I'm glad you ask. Because I'm going to share a little bit today with you what it means to have your wires crossed in your mind. Every time you have a thought, you are creating a new pattern in your mind, a new thought pattern, a new pathway. It's like a mental trail that's created in your mind. And Kitty, if you're going to bring up those pictures of the dogs that run through the back garden. Do we have them there? There we go. All right, so now you can see behind me there's a lot of grass on that grassy patch in the back garden. But that dog has chosen to run a single path. Anyone, anyone seen that before? Maybe we've got horses on the farm as well too. It also blows my mind. There's like a huge amount of grass, but they just keep running on this one single track. Has anyone seen that before? Like dogs that have run across. And so what's happened is that this dog keeps running on the single path the whole time and they keep running along. It's, it's like there's, there's no obstacles on, on, the, on that grassy patch. There's nothing there. It's just... But the dog keeps running along that same path. And what's happened in your brain as well too is you keep thinking the same thing over and over and over again. You start creating a neural pathway in your mind. Your brain is programmed 
to think in a certain way. In the same way that these dogs had created a certain track, they keep running along their path, the path of least resistance, not as if there's a lot of resistance on that grass, but they just know that that path is the path they keep on following. I'll give you a very practical example. My three-year-old son, Caleb, anyone who's had children of the age of three, will know that at that age, they are usually screaming their lungs out, asking for something. I want that cookie. I want that piece of cake. And he's like, and he's just going for it. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And he keeps on screaming and screaming. And there are those parents. uh, We've done it in the past as well too. So I'm not looking at anyone in particular over here. (laughs) But we, we were guilty of that in the past as well. But with number three, we become a little bit wiser in how to raise our children. And we've realized that if we're going to give Caleb a cookie, every time he screams, a neural pathway is starting to form in his brain. And it tells him, every time I scream, I will get that cookie. Right? Yeah. I think we can all associate with that. Whatever is rewarded is repeated. Whatever is rewarded is is repeated. That is how our brains work. That is how our brains work. And so you don't have to, you know, so it's not, so we have to not only recognize the unhealthy patterns in our life, but also understand the underlying problem. We need to go under the, under the car, under the hood of our lives. We need to open up the dashboard of our, of our lives and understand what is it that's creating that thinking. We need to be willing to rewire our thoughts, and our brains when it comes to a certain pattern of thinking. That same message sent multiple times is creating a neural pathway. It is creating a neural pathway. So in your brain, there's like, I wish, I've asked Frederick, who's a a, um, neuroscientist. He's he's the only neuroscientist in our church. I don't think many churches have one, but he is his wife, Altagracia, just gave birth to a wonderful, beautiful baby yesterday. So if you see them, just congratulate them. Anyway, so I'm going to have Frederick come up on stage in the next two weeks or so just to share how the brain works from how a thought goes from A to B. And when you keep on repeating that, the neural pathway becomes like a highway for that thought to travel on. And so the more you think it, the broader that, that neural pathway becomes in your mind and the easier it is to think that thought. The easier it is to think that thought. I want to, I want to just show an example of what a rut looks like. So, uh, so the pictures that you see behind me are, is what is called a rut. Okay, these are, these are grooves either in an asphalt road, as you can see behind me, or in, you know, this is stuck in a rut. Have anyone heard that saying before? I've been stuck in a rut. Yeah, this is the old Ford T model, I think, uh, Henry Ford's car that got stuck. There's another example as well. Of, being, uh, of a rut being created. And uh, I'm going to come to the specific example of what a rut is, but it's really something that's unintentional, has no purpose, and can also be very, very dangerous. Right? Anyone's been to, a lot of people use public transport over here. When the buses stop at the bus stop, you guys have seen, especially in the summer when it's warm, maybe not this summer, but maybe the summers before, you've maybe seen where there's been a rut. There's been like grooves in the tarmac that have been created because the bus keeps driving that same direction, that same pathway, and that is a rut. And that is the lies of the devil that occur in your brain telling you certain things about your life. A rut is created, a way of thinking. And the more we think about that thought, the easier 
that thought can be thought about again. The more dominant it becomes in your thinking pattern. It's extremely wonderful news if it's a great idea or a great thought, but it's a terrible idea or a terrible thought uh, when, when, it's a, uh, when it's not a good thought. And so I want us to, to understand this is why we behave many times irrationally. We've got this certain thought pattern that we've maybe accidentally created in our minds when we have certain scenarios that trigger us. And I'm going to get to some of those in a moment. But do you know why, you know, why are you thinking this way? Your mind basically is a battlefield. Joyce Myers many years ago spoke about the battlefield of the mind. Anyone read that book? Any Joyce Myers fans? Yes. Uh, so the battlefield, um, so our mind is a battlefield and most of life's battles are won and lost in our minds. As I said before, your direction of your life will go towards how you are thinking the strongest. Your, your life's direction will be determined by your strongest thought. And this is so important to understand that life's battles are won and lost in your mind. I can't emphasize that more than what I'm doing right now. It is so important, people, to think in the right way. As it says in Proverbs 23, verse 7, so man thinks in his heart, so is he. So he becomes. I love this piece of scripture from the apostle Paul and he speaks to the, the church in Corinthians, and he writes this out of the NIV, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 5. And it reads like this, for, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they are divine power to demolish strongholds. Justin preached about strongholds last Sunday. Yeah, the strong tower. Uh, that, he, that he showed, and there's a stronghold. It kind of like, you know, the city may have been demolished, you know, might have been you know, taken over by the enemy back in the day, but that stronghold, as long as that stronghold is still there, the city still hasn't been defeated. But we have divine power to demolish strongholds. <clears throat> we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Again, these, these divine powers uh, that we, that, you know, there's no way else other than through God's word and through speaking through our tongues and, de and, and declaring, I take that thought captive right now in the name of Jesus. I had to do it this morning on the way to church. I had to do it while I was sitting over here. My mind is flooded with thoughts that are not of God. And I'm just like, no, I take that thought captive right now in the name of Jesus. A very other practical example, my beautiful wife. Uh, sorry, Christa, I've used it as an example a few times. <laughs> she, yeah, I, I've got a very particular way in the way I want our car keys and our house keys to be hung up as you come into the door. Right, so you hang them up, they're hanging over there, keys, house keys, car keys, so that when we need to leave, we leave on time. It's not running around trying to find our keys. And for the last three days, Christelle's keys haven't been hung up. And I'm like, you know, I said to myself, Lord, just help me not think about these keys right now. And I've told her in a very gentle way, Christelle, don't you think it's a good idea to hang up your keys? And the next day, the keys aren't there. And so I'm just fighting these thoughts of like, Oh, she's going to be late. We're going to be late the next time. It's just like all these crazy, ridiculous thoughts flood into my mind. And so I'm just like, no, I'm going to take those thoughts captive right now 
in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to make them obedient to Christ. I'm going to make them obedient to Christ. What comes into your mind usually comes out of your life. What comes into your mind usually comes out in your life. If you don't control what you think, guys, you'll never be able to control what you do. If you don't control what you think, you will never be able to control what you do in this life. I'm going to give you two tools this morning that's going to help you be able to rewire your brain, rewire your thinking, rewire the way that you perceive this world. These two, these two tools really are going to give you the rewiring ability. And the first tool is digging spiritual trenches, five faith statements. The second one is ruminate or meditate and getting scripture into our hearts in our minds. Christa, can I just get some water, please? So when you talk about, when I talk about training your mind, what do I mean by that? Think about that. When you train your mind, you think, oh, hang on a second. I've never heard about training my mind before. I've heard about training the dog. Yes. Anyone train their dogs? I have. Anyone train your body? Been training your body? Yeah. There we go. Going for a run. Been exercising, lifting a couple of weights, maybe doing you know, a couple of small exercises at home. Some may have not done that in a while, and I, and I recognize that. But re- training your mind is, is important. But I've also come to realize as well, too, I've, I've also made a commitment in my life that I will, I will exercise at least three times a week for half an hour. But I've also realized that a part of the training is not only what I do to my body, it's also what I put inside of my body which is important as well. Joe's not here this morning, but if, he, if he's here next week, I'm sure he will be. Have a chat to Joe. He's a personal trainer. And for those who exercise seriously, you will also know that it's not only about lifting weights, but it's also about what you eat as well. Right? It's what you put into your body, which is an important part about having a healthy life. In the same way with your thoughts as well. It's not only about training your mind by doing certain things with your mind, but it's also what you put into your mind will allow you to have a healthy mind, a mind and a healthy way of thinking. It's so important to put certain things into your mind which will allow you to have a healthy mind. Your mind, needs to be, your mind also needs training to be able to be fit and healthy, but it's about putting certain things into it as well. The Apostle Paul, who I have deep respect for, he was, um, he was in Rome, it was kind of, you know, at the end of his ministry, he thought he would end up in Rome uh, being able to preach the, the streets and the, and the corners of, of the city of Rome at that time, but he was taken back to Rome as a prisoner. He was in chains. He was under house arrest. He, he lived uh, chained to a god, basically, for the latter days of his life. And uh, he was there, and he was, he was a prisoner. But yet, he, write, he wrote to, to the, the church of Philippi, and such encouraging words, you're like thinking, oh my goodness, someone who's in jail, someone who's imprisoned, who's probably on execution row, thinking, okay, what would your thoughts be at that point? Probably not very encouraging. But Paul had a different mindset. He grew in his maturity, in his thinking throughout all the days of his life. And when he arrived in the final days of his life, he said this, Philippians 4 verses 8 in in the NLT version. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. 
Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Paul was in a position of authority because he was there encouraging us, encouraging us from prison. Oh, my goodness. Think about that. Fix your thoughts. Paul was a prisoner physically. He was chained to a guard 24-7. They were rotating on a regular basis. But he was free in his mind. He was free in his mind. What is the difference between a rut and a trench, you may ask? I'm glad you do. I'm going to share that with you. We saw an example of ruts from before. They are, there we go, thanks, thanks, Kitty. These are ruts. Okay, what is a rut? Typically formed in mud or becoming a nuisance, even a danger. A rut is unintentionally created, has no purpose, and requires repair. That is what a rut is. But what I want to give you today is I want to give you the ability to create spiritual trenches in your life. What is a trench? A trench is intentionally dug to deliver a necessary resource. A trench has a specific purpose and fixes an existing problem. So you'll see a couple of photos from behind me. There's a photo over here right now of a pipe being laid. You know, I think it's a city. But a trench is created so that a resource can be laid in. It could be an electrical, uh, electrical cable or a water pipe or an a, a envelope uh, pipe. Another, another uh, trench can be a, an example where water is carried from one, one part of, of a land to another. Farmers distributing water. It's a, it's a specific resource that is being carried from point A to point B. It is specific. It has a purpose and fixes a problem. That is what a trench is. And this morning, I want to give you guys a, a, some examples of what a, a trench is. But first, before I do that, I want you guys to realize that this series that we're in, I want you to stand still for a moment in your thoughts and realize that what you think and what you repeatedly think, you keep on thinking that thought. What happens? It starts moving towards your heart. Right? That thought keeps on moving as you, as, you, as you think about it, it starts moving to your heart. So what, what does that mean? It becomes an emotion, right? You start becoming emotional about the thought. You begin thinking about that. And what happens from emotion? You get emotionally charged. What happens next? You act. You act on that emotion. And if there's these small steps of action that take place based on an emotion, based on what you've been thinking, those small steps will eventually determine the direction in your life. That's why it's so important. That's why it's so important to think in the right way, to think upon God's word, to think upon his precepts, to think upon truth. The devil is going to constantly sow lies into your life. It might be things that, that, were, that were spoken over you as a child. A father said to me one thing many, many years ago, he said to me, Matthew, out of all my sons, I've got four, uh, three brothers. He said, you are the most delinquent when it comes to working with your hands. And I've always had that in the back of my mind. And I'm like, I'm going to show him. <laughs> I'm going to show him. So I bought a farm and, and, I, um, and I work with power tools and I fix things and I do things. And, uh, and yeah, and, and that's what I do. But I've just realized that, Matthew, you need to stop 
thinking that way. Stop thinking in that way. And so thinking about something, emotionally reacting towards it, taking action. You know, if you think about positive things and you move your life in a positive direction, that's, of course, a good thing. But it's important to realize that there are some things and some stinking thinking that's happening in your life that you need to cut it off at the root. There's going to be certain things that trigger you to think in a certain way. It could be thinking like you, you're feeling alone, right? You feel like, oh, you're so alone. You might be sitting in your apartment and you're lonely and, and like this, this kind of this victim mentality starts to fall over you and self-pity, self-wallow starts to fall over you. It could be like that you, that you missed a deadline at work or you feel like you're a failure not being able to raise your children in a certain way or you're kind of missing out on life in a certain way. You feel like a failure. You keep, your mind keeps telling you you're a failure. You'll never end up into anything. It might be someone that has even spoken that over your life from before. It might be a colleague. It might be a parent. It might even be your spouse. It might be a friend that has spoken that over you. Might be around that pe- you, know, you might be around people that are maybe drinking. You've had uh, you know, problems with alcohol in the past. Kind of these thoughts start flooding into your mind and starts leading you to a certain behavior. Starts leading you to, to a certain behavior. Now, this morning, I'm not going to talk about behavior modification. That is completely something different. That that's not going to work. Behavior modification, guys, in psychology will not help you change the direction of your life. This morning, what I want to talk about is strategically choosing a new series of thinking. I want you to, this morning, I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you a tool, two two tools to strategically help you think in a different way about yourself. That, That thinking is not going to come from social media, scrolling, Instagram, Facebook. I know not everyone's on Facebook. Whatever it is, YouTube. Snapchat, I don't know what the latest stuff is. Help me, younger people. TikTok, of course, sorry. Yeah, Snapchat, yeah. You're not going to get it there. You're not going to get it by speaking to a, to a friend, just listening to a podcast, listening to your favorite playlist. Where are you going to get that new strategic thinking and series of thoughts? You're going to get it from God's word. That is where you're going to get your new strategic thinking. Tool number one. Tool number one, new trenches of thinking. As you saw those pictures from before, there's a trench being dug for a certain purpose. For a certain purpose, there's there's a reason behind that thinking. I want to help you dig a new trench in your thinking this morning. Justin said it last Sunday. He said that what he speaks of his life many times on the topic of money. Right, topic number one. I'm going to give you five face statements this morning on five big areas typically that people struggle with. And all of these faith statements are all based on Scripture. Right? These faith statements cannot just be all, you know, some, some encouraging positive thinking, you know, Robbins, what is his name? Uh, you know, it's, 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 no, no, this is going to be based on Scripture. First one, money. You might, you might say, that, oh, I'm terrible with money. I've heard Justin tell me many times. <laughs> I'm not throwing him under the bus over here. You guys heard him say it about himself. And, and I'm going to keep on encouraging him. If he says that, I'm going to cut him short and say, Justin, no, actually, you are good in money. And some of you over here today might be believing that about yourself. I don't have enough. I never have enough. I've always been poor. I've always struggled with, with money. But I want you to declare this face statement over your life this morning. We're going to send all, in, all of these face statements out uh, on email later this week. 
And you can, you can change it up as well too, but I want you to make the statement, and it's going to come up on the screen as well. Money is, <clears throat> money is not and never will be a problem for me. My God is an abundant provider who meets every need. Because I am blessed, I will always be a blessing. I will lead the way with irrational generosity because I know it's truly more blessed to give than it is to receive. So if you're in a place where you just like got these thoughts coming into your mind of like, I'm not good with money, I can't do work with money, I never have money, I want you guys to declare this over your life. I want you to create a trench, try remove that rut, that rut of thinking like you're saying, oh, I'm never good with that is a rut. It is unintentional. It has no purpose. It brings destruction to your life. And I want you to remove that rut of thinking and have new spiritual trenches when it comes to the area of money in your life. You might be feeling hurt, angry, or sad. And where is your first go-to place when you have those emotional feelings? To the fridge, baby. Yeah, to the fridge. All that pantry, that chocolate bar. Ooh, that canil bular. That looks amazing. Yes, I know. I'm laughing. I'm laughing as well because I'm guilty too. I love it. I love sweet things. It's my, my Achilles heel. But when you're feeling sad and when you're feeling lonely and you're feeling hurt, where's your go-to place? Food. I want you to declare this over your life when you're feeling that way. When I'm stressed or am in times of distress, I turn to God, not food. I come to Jesus because He is what I really need. He is my strength, my fortress, and my refuge. Let's start declaring it over our lives in this area. You might be in this old rut. You see yourself as a victim, never winning in life, always feeling like there's someone you know, out there to get you, to disappoint you, to hurt you, to let you down. I want you to declare this passage from Romans 8 over your life, specifically when you're feeling like a victim, you're feeling alone. God is for me. Who can be against me? My God is working all things in for my good. I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus who loves me and gives me strength. Declare that of your life. Do not be a victim in this life. That rut of thinking will tell you you're a victim, you're a victim. Feel sorry for yourself. Declare new spiritual trenches in your life. Create a new way of thinking. You might feel like, hey, I've got a bit of an identity crisis. I need to have some of the latest clothes, new shoes, car, you know, living in the right place, and you go and spend money, and you spend it just irrationally, just irrational spending, because you believe that it will help form your identity. If that is you this morning, I want to help you with a statement. I am not my stuff or my things. I am who God says I am. He says I am blessed, fulfilled, and called to be to make a difference. My God has given me everything I need for life and godliness. I am content and full of joy because he is enough. He is enough. Guys, you might be struggling with lust. You know, weekly basis, online, the gym, the office, seeing those ladies, lustful eyes moving in a certain direction. I want you to pray this over your life. Put it at the back of your door, your mirror, in the closet, wherever it is. This is reality, guys. This is reality. Lust is not my master. God has redeemed me and given me pure thoughts. I will not look lustfully because I've, I've made that covenant with my eyes and with God who strengthens me. 
God is always faithful, and when I'm tempted, I will always, He will always provide a way out. Guys, let's start digging these spiritual trenches in our lives. Let's start declaring these things over lives, creating a new neural pathway in our mind, in our mind and ways of thinking. It's so important that we think the things that God has for us. We need to start thinking truth. We need to start thinking truth. It's important that we, we, get a, we remove the rut in our lives, those lies. Truth is scripture. Second tool that I want to give you guys, I need to get going. I'm running out of time. It's also, uh, we read it just briefly from before, uh, Philippians uh, 4 verses, uh, verses 8. I'm going to read it out of the New, Kings, uh, New King James Version. Again, Paul's in prison. He writes this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are, are lovely, whatever things are <clears throat> of good report, if there is any virtue and there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. We meditate. Oh, oh, hang, hang on a second, Matthew. Um, meditate? Isn't that like a Eastern, New Age, cross your arms and legs, one with the universe? Isn't that, isn't that meditation? Yeah, that, that is one form or one type of meditation. But I want to give you guys an alternative meditation. It speaks about it in God's Word. And so what is, what is meditation? It's basically engaging in a mental exercise to focus one's thought, to focus. There's many examples of, of uh, those in the, in the Bible meditating on God's Word, meditating on God's Word. I'm going to tell you a little bit more on what it means to meditate. In Psalms 119 verses 15, it says this, I meditate, God, on your precepts and consider your ways. I'm focusing my mind. I'm focusing on truth. I'm training my mind to think about truth. What is truth? Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. The word of God is truth. That is the only truth, the absolute truth. Don't let anyone else try and convince you otherwise. Psalm 143 verses 5 says, I meditate, God, on all your works and consider what your hands have done. I meditate. Now, again, Eastern meditation is sitting there, basically remaining quiet, emptying your mind, emptying your mind of thoughts, sitting there being calm, all right? What Christian meditation is, is sitting there, it's filling your mind, filling your mind with Scripture, filling your mind with God's Word, meditating, chewing, reflecting, pondering, thinking on God's Word. That's what it means to meditate from a Christian perspective. Fixing your mind on God and the Word. This part of my scriptures, or part of my message, this is where it gets a little bit funky, guys. Question, how many stomachs does a cow have? Two, okay, four, six, I heard 12. 12, no, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that was me, that was me. Uh, no, so a cow actually only has one stomach, but it's got four chambers. All right, so a little bit of, um, a little bit of animal, animal science over here for you guys. So what happens is that when a cow chews off some grass, starts chewing it, it goes into chamber one and chamber two of the stomach, 
And what happens is that it, it comes back out again into the mouth, and this is where it really gets gross, as like a grass porridge of spit just entering the cow's mouth again. Oh, I know it's disgusting, but this is what happens, all right? And he starts, the cow starts chewing again on the cud. It's called the cud. And he does this so it goes back uh, into the chamber one and two, returns to the mouth again, and it happens about four times. And why does a cow do this? And I, I don't know why God created a cow in this way, but this is how it happens. What a cow does is that he does it so that he gets all the nutritional value out of the grass at least four times. And in the same way as we, so the, the, the terminology is called ruminate, all right? Ruminate, for those who haven't heard of that very fancy English word, ruminate. Cows ruminate on grass. In the same way, I want to encourage you to ruminate on Scripture. I want you to ruminate on Scripture. Read it. Think it. Say it out loud. Speak it over your life. Don't just, you know, many of us spend time in the Word. We just read one, you know, the piece of Scripture. We pray, close our book, done for the day. I want you to sit and, and take a few minutes, read that Scripture, and ruminate on it. Think about it. What does it mean? He who is in me is greater than he who's in the world. What does that mean? Christ in me will allow me to overcome every situation. No matter what I face, it's possible to overcome. Ruminate, think about it, speak it. You're starting to create neural pathways in your mind, new neural pathways. You may think that, oh, the world constantly overcomes me. No, but when Christ is in you, you will be, over, be able to overcome the world. You will be able to overcome your situation. Think it, believe it, act on it. It's so important, guys, to remember that. Ruminate, ruminate, ruminate. Going back to the first topic, money, there's some scripture. You can just do a Google search on any area that you're struggling with, maybe identity, lust, money, whatever it is. Do a quick Google search and you will find a lot of scripture in, in, in areas that you're struggling with. Just some few on money. Zechariah uh, uh, 4 verses 12. I have saved you and you will be a blessing. Acts 20 verses 35. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. 2 Corinthians 9 verses 8. God is able to bless you. Focus on truth. This is truth over your life. Not what the world says. Not what your parents have said over you as a child. Not what your colleague has said over you. Not what your neighbor thinks about you. Not what your spouse has maybe said in a heated discussion. This is truth. Start creating a new, a new trench, a new spiritual trench. Start ruminating on God's word. Think about it. Chew it. Spit it out. Chew it again. Pray it over your life. Say it. Speak it. Get it into your hearts. Guys, back in the day when the apostles were walking around on, on, on the earth and they had to fight against the war that was in their, in their minds, they didn't have Google. They didn't have their phones in their pockets to whip out some scripture. He who is great in me, that is great in the world. No, they had to get scripture inside of their hearts so that they can attack at that point in time. When Jesus was baptized by his cousin John, went to the desert for 40 days, Satan attacked him three specific times. He tried to get Satan, or Jesus, uh, Satan tried to get Jesus to, to, to uh, uh, for Jesus to submit to, to Satan. And what did Jesus do? He used Scripture to fight off Satan. And I want to encourage you guys this morning, don't leave this place today 
without taking those two tools with you. I've given you two tools. Declarations of faith over your lives inspired by Scripture. We'll send them out in this week. You can write your own. Pray and ask God, what are the areas that I'm struggling with? How do I need to dig new spiritual trenches in my life? Secondly, ruminate on Scripture. Think about it. Pray about it. Speak it over your life. Ponder on it. Think, God, what does this mean? Create new neural pathways in your mind. Church, I trust that you feel empowered this morning with some new tools, some new thinking. And let's go away to this morning feeling empowered, knowing that we are children of the living God. That he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. That is who you are. Do not believe anything else other than that. I'm really looking forward to Christelle preaching next Sunday. She's going to be preaching on uh, principle number three, uh, within uh, winning the war in your mind on reframing your mind. And I think she's the best candidate for that. It's going to be amazing. Sorry, Shittle, you can come up on stage. You should have been here already. Um, <clears throat> so this morning, we are going to, we're going to take communion. Um, so there's a communion service. Every six weeks, we have a communion service. And I want us to, I want us to reflect this morning a little bit when you take um, communion out of this piece uh, in Matthew 26, verses 26 to 28 in the NLT. So Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. They are ready to, um, they, they, they've gathered for Passover. They're about to take uh, a meal or have a meal together. All 12 of them are sitting around the table and Jesus says, and he takes a, a piece of bread and he breaks it and he says, uh, <clears throat> he blessed and, and, and broke this bread and he gave it to his disciples and said, take it, eat it, this is my body. Then he took a cup which was filled with wine and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many and the remission of sins. Jesus Christ died for all of us here sitting today. He died for every single one and for everyone outside of this building as well too. This morning, I want to give you guys an opportunity at the end of the service for those who haven't accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I want to pray with you. I want to pray the sinner's prayer so that you can be in heaven with me one day. I want to trust and believe that the Lord has spoken to you this morning. In an area in your life, would you feel like, Matthew, I need a bit of rewiring in this area of my life. Christelle, myself, and Francis will be over here waiting for you. We want to pray for you. We want you to, to be rewiring your life. Get rid of that stinking thinking. Remove the ruts in your life and let's put trenches in your life that have purpose, meaning, and that deliver a resource. So important. As we start thinking differently, guys, our life's direction will go completely in the opposite direction. If God is for me, who can be against me?